0: Welcome back everybody to the ultimate NFC East crossover show. My name is Patricia Traina and I'm joined by three gentlemen from the NFC East podcast. Louis DiBiase, who covers the Eagles for Lock on Eagles, Marcus Mosier, who covers the Cowboys for Locked on Cowboys, and Chris Russell, who is the host of the Locked on Redskins podcast. And gentlemen, New York Giants going undergoing their second uh, coaching change, actually their third coaching change in the last five years. They brought in Joe Judge, relatively unknown coach, never a head coach at any level, came from the Patriots. So your thoughts about the new coaching staff and there has a heavy Cowboys flavor for, as a matter of fact.
1: Yeah, I can go ahead and start uh, knowing a lot of those coaches who were uh, just with the Cowboys last year, uh, obviously Jason Garrett running the offense, uh, Mark Colombo uh, running the offensive line. Um, I actually like Joe judge as somebody that I, I thought did a great job in New England as a special teams coach. Um, I am interested to see what Jason Garrett does as an offensive coordinator because he has not designed or play you know, called play since two thousand twelve. I'm curious to see what his offense looks like, you know, in twenty twenty with Daniel Jones. Uh he's somebody who has done a lot of good work with the young quarterbacks. Um I think Mark Colombo is gonna be a pretty big upgrade there. Um, but I'm interested to see how Jason Garrett adapts to um New York. Is he is he has he learned from some of his mistakes in Dallas? Is he gonna become a more aggressive play caller? Uh, I'm not optimistic about that, but I'm curious to see what happens.
2: I'll jump in here real quick, too, uh, before Chris goes. For me, I've heard a lot of people criticize it, mainly just because they don't know who Joe Judge is. And as somebody that covers the Philadelphia Eagles a few years back, if you remember, when they hired Doug Peterson, that was ranked Mm -hmm. that offseason as the worst coaching hire. And now you look (laughs) at... All of those guys that also got jobs, the, you know, Patricia, you even know Ben McAdoo and those kind of, those coaches that got hired that year, Doug Peterson came out as the best hire and he won a Super Bowl title in just his second year and they've made the playoffs three years straight. So I think just because it's not a big name, just because it's not someone that's well known across the league doesn't really mean much to their ability as a head coach. That's, I learned that firsthand.
3: Yeah, and I'll just chime in on my end. I mean, listen, big name coaches have failed and succeeded. Small, you know, unknown coaches, you know, just like look, like look at all of our teams, right? I mean, um, you know, when Andy Reid came from Green Bay to Philadelphia, he wasn't even an offensive coordinator; he was a quarterbacks coach, right? Mm -hmm. And he's turned out to be obviously a great, great uh, NFL head coach. Ron Rivera, now the head coach of the Washington Redskins, you know, was fired by the Chicago Bears after. Uh, after making it to a Super Bowl, you know, and and fired, you know, because they didn't, there was, I don't know, there was all sorts of weird politics. So guys come from different areas, guys come from different paths. And I would say this, uh, I, I'm not always going to say that, you know, coming from the Belichick, parcels A family is going to guarantee a success. I don't know if anybody is guaranteed success in this league, but I will take my chances. If a guy's been and worked with Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, and all the great coaches that are in that branch or in that tree, I will take my chances on a guy like Joe Judge and hope that, uh you know, he can get it out. And just one more other thing. Remember when Harbaugh was hired in Baltimore, he was a special teams coordinator, I think Willie Wright of the Philadelphia Eagles and That's everybody kinda of scoffed and everybody kinda of scoffed at that. And I know Joe has done more than that. But just because you're not a coordinator or a big sexy name doesn't mean you can't be a good head coach.
0: And it all boils down to the assistants around you. Now, one of the complaints that I know I had about Pat Shermer when he was here is that I did not think he necessarily had the best assistant coaches around him. There were, and it, and it showed up on the field. You look at the defense's secondary; they always looked confused. You look at the offensive line; the talent didn't match. And as a matter of fact, if you looked at the whole Giants team last year, I just felt like they weren't a four-win team. What did you guys think about that? Did you think the Giants, given the talent that they had, what you saw, were they a four-win team, or do you think the coaching kind of held them back a little bit?
3: Louie, why don't you go?
2: Yeah, I, I think, again, I think they're rostered. They have a long way to go. I thought they were better, though, than that record. And... Um, I don't know. To me, they were kind of a surprise, though. I thought heading in, I didn't have a lot of expectations for them, and I think a lot of the national media didn't really either, but I was pleasantly surprised with a lot of their personnel. I mean, you look at Daniel Jones, he was kind of the maybe the Josh Allen of the class where a lot of people assumed that they already knew what he was as a prospect before he even touched the professional field and he came out and surprised a lot of people and you know you look at a guy like Slayton on the outside at wide receiver a burner that the Eagles could sure use coming out of Auburn in the fifth round I'd could, i love a guy like that and I I thought the Giants on the field have a lot of things to work with I, I, I do think there are some pieces you know in the secondary and on defense that they could really get better at but I do think coaching was Something that really held them back.
1: Yeah, and I would just add the defense was still pretty young, and they're trying to figure out who should be mm-hmm. in their rotation on the defensive line. So I guess that's why it's not that surprising they they only finished with four wins. And then when you add on that they had uh, a new quarterback, Saquon Barkley was hurt for a lot of the year. They were uh, trying to find consistent wide receiver play. Evan Ingram was banged up. Um, not that surprising, especially in a super competitive uh, NFC conference.
3: Yeah, and and I'll just kind of you know add my my spin on this, you know, because the the Giants beat the Redskins twice, so who am I in any kind of position to kind of criticize how good or how bad the Giants were or how surprised. I mean, I was a little surprised that that the Giants were able to beat the Redskins twice, I guess I would have predicted probably a season split, but you know, um to see Daniel Jones kind of um struggle a little bit in that week four start against the Redskins uh, where he made some big plays and he had some turnovers, but then to see him wind up towards the end of the season, uh, Patricia, maybe I'm wrong on this, five touchdowns and one pick or whatever it was in that week 16 game at FedEx Field. You know, you see the maturation. You see the progress. You see uh, kind of the light turning on. Louis, I think it was, that mentioned Darius Slayton. We still know, you know, uh, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, and, of course, Saquon Barkley. And, guys, uh, here's what I know. When you ha- I know a lot of people criticized um, the general manager for taking Saquon Barkley over the quarterback and Sam Darnold. Uh, I-, I don't know about you guys, but I-, I literally fear Saquon Barkley more than anybody else in the division, even more, quite honestly, than Ezekiel Elliott uh, when the Redskins are going against them.
0: If they would only use him right now, hopefully with Jason Garrett, he'll come in here and they'll use him right. Because in the past, Pat Shermer. Why he never got him out in space more? I mean, we saw it in the in in the off season, you know, the off season program, the OTAs. We saw it in training camp, Um, but they never got him out in space. They made him yep. one dimensional, and he, and that's why I go back to the the whole idea that coaching really makes a big difference. And I'm hoping that now with Joe Judge having surrounded himself with with coaching a coaching staff that basically took him almost a month to put together which is a good thing, I think, because, you know, some people look at it and say, oh, he couldn't make up his mind. I think that's a good thing because he vetted out each guy and made sure that he was the right fit for the direction and, above all, in building the identity that this team is still trying to figure out what it is.
1: Guys, let's talk about sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChu.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach since they're chewable. They work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guys who want extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships them direct, so they're cheaper than even a pharmacy would have. Right now, we have a special offer offer for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code NFL. Just pay $5 of shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code NFL to try it for free.
0: All right, guys, let's talk uh, about Daniel Jones. You guys brought him up in the last segment. I want to bring up Daniel Jones now. Um, as a matter of fact, each one of you have had a new quarterback at some point recently. Um, I know, Chris, you had a new quarterback with uh, Dwayne Haskins last year. Right. So why don't we start with you in, in terms of the growing pains and how, you know, we can overcome that, you know, in watching these guys. And I know they're all different, but just these growing pains and the effect that they have, the ripple-down effect on the uh, on the team.
3: Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, what I can say, and this is from afar on Daniel Jones and from close-up with Dwayne Haskins, is, you know, I, there's a couple of things that, that jump out to me that I think are in Daniel Jones's favor. And this is not necessarily a, a direct criticism of Dwayne Haskins, but it, I guess in some ways it is. I don't think you're going to have to worry. I would be surprised about Daniel Jones' work ethic. I think Daniel Jones, and maybe Patricia you know differently, is going to work his butt off and is going to, you know, he's not going to be an 8 to 4 type of guy. Uh, He's going to be a, you know, 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. type of guy. And that doesn't guarantee you success but it does guarantee that you're going to be more prepared and you're probably going to be more mentally advanced and more mentally comfortable with all of the different things that you're going to have to do as a quarterback, both pre-snap and post-snap, uh, in terms of how defenses are trying to bait you and how they're trying to lure you in. So I, I would say that one thing. And then the other thing is, is, uh, and this is just more a compliment of Daniel Jones, who wasn't my favorite quarterback coming out of the draft, but anybody that goes to Duke, You know they got to be smart, right? So you're not dealing with a dummy. So to me, we know he's got talent. We know he's got mobility. We think he's going to work hard, and he's smart. I mean, you know, it's hard to go against that.
1: Yeah, and I'll jump in here. Again, I think Jason Garrett's actually going to be a pretty good coach for Daniel Jones. What he is going to do uh, right away is he's going to make sure that Saquon Barkley gets the ball, and he's going to limit what Daniel Jones has to do. Uh, I know – uh you know you want to see Daniel Jones you know take some steps up as a passer but i can almost guarantee you what they're going to have what they're going to do in new york is they're going to simplify the offense give him pretty easy reads uh one or two reads and then have him kind of continue to to make little steps forward uh garrett has always been somebody who has been really easy to work with for uh, quarterbacks uh they trust him uh they know that he has his back uh, I'm excited to see what Daniel Jones looks like under Jason Garrett in you, year two, year three, year four. Daniel
2: Jones is another prospect that I think is proof. You can't really just assume a player is what they are at the college level because I don't know. I feel like a lot of people were almost laughing at him at Duke and you know, when the Giants picked him in the top 10, I thought a lot of people scoffed at that. And then here's a guy that last year had three games where he threw for four plus touchdowns. He had 24 on the year. I, I do think there is steps that have to be taken you know there were a couple times against really good defenses like the Patriots and the Green Bay Packers where he did throw for three interceptions and completed less than 50 percent of his throws but overall I think if you're the Giants you got to be pleasantly surprised with the the year he had in his rookie season you know taking over for Eli Manning and yeah you build this offensive coaching staff around him in year two I think things are certainly looking up once again though I think it's proof that yeah you, you can't let the tape lie to you but it certainly isn't fair to assume, okay, this guy was terrible at Wyoming and a Josh Allen or Daniel Jones at Duke and say, you you, you know, sometimes I, I think the potential, you can't just ignore that. I think college production versus potential is something that you kind of have to find a balance in. You can't always just assume that just because someone balled out in college that, you know, they will do that at the pro level or they won't.
0: And the fact that Daniel Jones at Duke didn't really have a plus talent around him. Now, it's, what's interesting is, is, Jones, of course, coached by David Cutcliffe, who coached Eli Manning. So a lot of people, when he, when Jones was drafted, they said, ah, Eli Jr. coming up here. And of course, Eli mm-hmm. worked with Daniel Jones, taught him a lot of stuff. I mean, sometimes if you put them, the two guys next to each other, you swear one was, uh, you know, they were older brother, you know, brothers or something like that. But, um, I'm very curious to see how Jones develops in, his second year without Eli. I know he's down at Duke right now. He's working with David Cutcliffe. I spoke with David Cutcliffe at Eli's retirement ceremony and he was telling me a story about how they were on a plane ride coming up for Eli's retirement mm-hmm. ceremony and there was Daniel with charts and, and you know, notes and everything and he was working even on the plane ride. So very interested to see how he pans out. Guys, let's talk about the Giants defense because I think of all, of, of the two units, the Giants defense to me was the biggest issue. Now how much of that was a result of a lack of talent at certain spots or, or youth or scheme? I think maybe it was a combination of everything. What do you guys think about uh, the Giants defense last year and where they need to go?
1: Yeah, for me, it's just the pass rushers. Uh You know, Dave Gettleman has spent a lot of resources trying to upgrade the interior of their defensive line with Dexter Lawrence, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, and then they trading for Leonard Williams. Uh, but the question has been, who is going to rush on the outside? Uh, You know, they let go of Jason Pierre-Paul a few years ago. They traded Olivier Vernon over the offseason. I, I think it might be one of the biggest weaknesses on the team. And if they can't rush the passer on the edges, it seems like they're still, you know, a ways away from improving that defense. So I'm going to be looking forward to see uh, who Dave Gettleman targets this year to help uh, rush off the edge. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of
2: to oh, – Go ahead, um, sorry. Oh, yeah, and, and I think being young is certainly part of it. And the secondary, too, though, I mean, we, we talked about it on the Eagles portion of this crossover and how each secondary really in this division is kind of going through a, a rebuild. And I, I feel like the Giants, too, you know – Last year, you spent a first-round pick on DeAndre Baker up and down season. They get rid of Janoris Jenkins. So the secondary, too, you know, Marcus talked about the pass rush. The secondary is something they really need to focus on as well this offseason.
3: Yeah, I was gonna, and I was going to just jump in. It would be really interesting to see what the Giants defense next year would look like if say, they were in that number two spot uh, that the Redskins faced. them. You know, because then, obviously, I think we'd all know where they were going. Uh, Marcus, you were talking about that pass rush. Uh, and I would assume we would all be saying, oh, Chase Young, great fit. The Giants desperately need him. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, what happens with the Giants at number four and how they improve this defense, assuming that that's where they go. Because we all expect, again, Chase Young to be off the board, um, you know, and, and a guy like Jeff Fukuda, the Ohio State top-rated corner probably could be off the board, you know, as late as number three. Uh, I, I mean, I guess you would go there if he's somehow there, uh, but it's going to be really interesting to see if they're able to return any investment on the Leonard Williams situation, which I know rubbed a lot of people wrong, and it's going to be interesting to see if they get that pass rush help or if they get that secondary held to kind of improve at least one layer of that defense early in the draft.
0: Well, one thing I know for sure, guys, is terms of challenging for the NFC East title. I think the Giants are still probably a year away. Now I say that because I haven't obviously seen what they're going to do in free agency. I haven't seen, uh, what they're going to do in the draft. I know that it's possible to turn things around. The 49ers, of course, are a, a great example of being able to turn things around from one year to the next. I do think, however, the Giants are on the upswing and, uh, pretty soon they're going to be coming for, for uh, well, Washington, you're down at the bottom there, but, uh, <laughs> definitely going to be coming. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. I love you. You know that, but, uh, nice. but I Sure, sure. Be coming Thanks for, for reminding
3: me of my death sentence. <laughs>
0: Christmas, Christmas,
3: But
2: Christmas, I think like they gonna be
0: <laughs> They'll be coming for the Eagles and the Cowboys. So all right guys, I wanna thank you for coming on. Tell everybody where they can find your work and your Twitter accounts.
2: You can follow me on Twitter at DBSC LOE and my co-host on Locked On Eagles, Gino Camilleri is Gino underscore LOE. My written content's at 97.3 ESPN. And of course you can listen to the podcast on any platform. Also we have a website lockdowneagles.com where we post them all there as well.
1: I'm at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. You can follow our podcast at Locked On Cowboys. Uh, make sure you check out my co-host's work, uh, at McCool BCB. Landon does a great job. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter.
3: All right. I'm Chris Russell, host of the Locked on Redskins podcast. Uh, you check me out on Twitter at Russellmania621, Redskins-only content at Locked Redskins uh, on Twitter. And, uh, you know, please make sure you check out RedskinsReport.com, uh, part of the SI uh, umbrella there on SI.com. And also you can listen to me on the radio in the DMV area. Uh, that's Washington, D.C., Virginia, uh, Southern Maryland, on 106.7 The Fan and Worldwide on radio.com, and the radio.com app.
0: All right, folks, that'll wrap up this particular edition of the Ultimate NFC East Crossover. Coming up tomorrow, we have none other than Mr. Russell with the Washington yeah. Redskins. So but until then, we'll talk to you. To-